0: Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. No, come on. Merry Christmas. Christmas. My name is Chris. I'm a pastor here, and um, I know you almost lost your life on the walk in, so I just want to say thank you for laying it all on the line to come celebrate Christmas with us this morning. On December 17th, 1903, something really, really big happened. Two brothers had been trying for months to get their flying machine off the ground, and after many, many attempts, just south of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, for 59 seconds, Orville and Wilbur Wright flew. Ecstatic, they immediately telegraphed their sister, Catherine, quote, we have actually flown 120 feet, we'll be home for Christmas, end quote, Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper, showed him the message. He glanced at it and he said, oh, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. He missed it. He totally missed it. Gravity had been defied. Humans had done what history thought only gods could do. Man had flown and this man missed it. And when it comes to Christmas, you and I are prone to miss it too. The funny thing about Christmas is that you guys already know what I'm going to talk about. This isn't going to be new to any of. And you guys expect it. Some of you aggressively so. You're like, you you better talk about baby Jesus. And if we don't sing Silent Night, I'm starting a coup. First, of course, we're going to sing Silent Night. Okay, I'm not stupid. Second, the hyperfamiliarity with Christmas can actually make us miss the miracle. It can cause us to focus more on who will be home for Christmas and miss the miracle of God doing what history thought only humans could do. Getting born in flesh. So my goal is to take 20 minutes of your life and help you not miss miracle. And for that, we're going to look at the book of Luke. Open up your Bibles to the book of Luke. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. We'll have it up on the screen. Is anyone here a physician or a nurse? Raise your hand if you're a physician or a nurse. Yeah. Yeah, we got a bunch of them. Okay. So the author Luke was a physician in the first century who was hired by a guy named Theophilus to compile an accurate account of the life and teachings of Jesus. You got to know this, Luke wasn't some gullible, superstitious, uneducated bumpkin just making stuff up. The book of Luke is heavily researched, it's a heavily researched work, the result of hundreds, maybe thousands of eyewitness interviews compiled together to record the most attested and confirmed details of the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Apparently, Luke tracked down these shepherds and after studying this event in detail, here's what he was able to confirm actually happened regarding the Christmas events. Luke 2, beginning in verse 8, if you're there, say there. Good. Come on now, These these are the words of God. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with, what does that say? Great fear. In the Bible, angels are not chubby little babies that make people fall in love. They're terrifying creatures that make people fall in fear. Without exception, in the Bible, every single time a human encounters an angel, that human, no matter how powerful or rich, or they're terrified. So it's no surprise they say, verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Guys, the first thing we need to see about the Christmas story is that Christmas is about, you see it, good news. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. Now, the word translated good news is euangelion or evangelion. Um, The language the New Testament is written in is an extinct language, so we aren't sure how to uh, precisely pronounce these words, but we know this. Yuan or ev is the prefix, it means good, and angelos, think angel, means message. An angel is just a messenger. So evangelion means good message or good news, that's the word here in Luke 10. You go, why do I care about this word? Because this word, good news, evangelion, was not originally a Christian word, it was not a churchy word, it was a military word. For hundreds of years before this event, it was always used in a military context. Stick with me because this is awesome. Let's say there's a big evasion, enemy invasion coming down on a city, and enemy invasions in the first century were everything except diplomatic, okay? They were not like, please, peacefully surrender. That never happened. Ancient Babylonians, ancient Assyrians, you guys, these people were orcs. When they would come in, they would plunder all the goods, rape all the women, kill every man, woman, and child that they didn't find useful enough to keep as slaves. So if a city heard of an invading army coming down on the city, they wanted to keep those enemies as far from the city as possible, so all the women and children and elderly would hunker down and stay home, and all of the able-bodied men would go off and fight on the city. On the, On behalf of the city. So imagine, guys, our our army marches off into the battle and we're all left to just wait. Not like sit back and chill, wait, like anxiety attack, wait. Because we know the next person over the hill, if that if that's one of ours, we won, we're safe. But if we don't recognize the next person over the ridge. That means we didn't win, and not one of us is getting out alive. Imagine the anxiety of waiting, not just for days. We're talking weeks, sometimes months, just pacing, focused on the ridge. Now, let's say that that we win the battle. Our guys win. Praise God. What they would do is they would choose the, the fittest, fastest guy in the room. If it was us, maybe... Me? Totally kidding. They would choose the fittest, fastest guy to be the runner. And do you know what they called the runner? An evangelist. He was the guy who carried the good news back to his people. So, so we're back in the city, and we've been waiting day after day after day, wondering, is today our last day? Like, is this, is, is this the day we're going to see the enemies come over and, and kill and steal and destroy and your eyes have just been locked on the same ridge for weeks, and all of a sudden you see a head, and then some shoulders, and it's one of ours, and then you hear a voice, we won! We won! Victory is ours! You're all safe! That's Evangelion. That's the word right here. What the angel is saying is that's what we're doing right now. We are bringing you an evangelion, a military message of victory. We're telling you, you're safe. You don't need to be afraid. So if we don't need to be afraid, what should we feel? Look at verse 10. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you evangelion, good news, here it is, of Great joy. Feel it in the text. Good news of what? Great joy. So apparently, the only thing better than the goodness of the good news is the joy that it generates. Guys, I don't need to spend any time convincing you that we live in a dark and depressing world. Amen. Every one of us has a list of reasons why we should not feel joy today, let alone great joy today. And that's precisely why this message is so relevant for our actual day-to-day life. The angel is stepping into a broken and depressing world and saying, hey, this news, if you'll believe it, will give you great joy. And this isn't the cutesy, kitschy, hallmark happiness, okay? This isn't like la 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 not that this is what the angels are talking about is the thing that all of us every single one of us deepest down is searching for in life you know this right it's not mainly about sex it never is it's always mainly about joy you know that don't you it's not mainly about money it's about joy It's not mainly about fame. We're all looking for joy. It's not mainly about love. We're looking for joy. Long, lasting, deep, down, soul-satisfying joy. That's what it's always about. Every person does what they do because they are searching for deep, lasting, soul satisfaction, and that's exactly what the angel is announcing has just arrived. What is joy? Great joy is the powerful pleasure that God the Father feels towards God the Son. And the angel is saying, if you will believe this Evangelion, if you will believe this good news, that holy happiness in Jesus will move inside of you. And listen, this type of joy doesn't deny real life. In fact, real joy shows up and shows off in the midst of real pain and suffering. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Real joy means you don't have to feel like what you're walking through. Real joy, Luke 2, joy means you don't have to feel like what you're walking through. Joy is able. Say joy is able. No, 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 you turn to your neighbor, you say joy is able. Joy is able to keep what's going on outside of you from getting on inside of you. That's what joy can do. I might be in a storm, but joy keeps the storm from getting inside of me. I might be in a trial, but joy, real joy, keeps the trial from getting on inside of me. I might be surrounded by darkness, but Luke 2, joy keeps the darkness from getting inside of me. The angel is announcing that you, yes, you, can have real, deep, lasting, soul-satisfying joy that is non-contingent on your circumstance. I promise you, If your joy is not rooted in the good news of Jesus, you will find yourself continually disappointed going through life. Don't believe me? Today is supposed to be the most wonderful time of year, right? It's the happiest season of all. And yet, we know this. If your joy is in Christmas and not in Christ, By about 8 o'clock tomorrow, after all the presents have been opened and all the food has been eaten and all the people have gone home, you're going to feel that gnawing disappointment. Is that it? Like literally, we've all been looking forward to that for months, and it's over. It's why depression and suicide skyrockets right after the holidays. Why? Because hallmark happiness is a mirage All joy rooted in anything outside of this is papier-mâché at best. It's a thin veneer that will always leave you let down. But, but the angel is announcing to continually let down you and me, yo, I have good news. And the good news will give you deep, lasting, soul-satisfying joy. And who's it for? Look at verse 10. Good news, great joy, that will be for all people. Come on, let's go. So maybe you're here this morning and you just feel a bit out of place. Maybe uh, your mom or your wife pulled the old, all I want for Christmas is for you to go to church. Is that too much to ask? Just my family to go, raise your hand if that's you. Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. (laughs) One time, a wife came downstairs and found her husband still in his pajamas. And she's like, What are you doing? We got to go to church in like five minutes. He said, I'm not going to church. She's like, What do you mean? I'm not going to church. Why? Because those people are weird. They're going to judge me. And so I'm going to stay home. And his wife said, Well, first off, they're not weird. They're fun. Secondly, they're not going to judge you. That's totally in your head. And thirdly, if you stay home, who's going to preach a sermon? The point is, we all feel a little bit out of place at church, right? If you're like, this is my this is where I fit in, then you're the weird one. All of us feel a little bit out of place at church. But the good news of great joy is, is this. It's for all of us, y'all. But Chris, I have missed up big time. It's for you. But Chris, I'm living in a way right now that I know displeases God. love. it's for you. Chris, I don't even know if I believe in God. It's for you. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in a God who is meticulously providential and who has orchestrated your entire life to bring you to this room at this moment to tell you this message. The good news of great joy is for you. It's for you. All right, fine. What is the good news then? Verse 11. Here it is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news that the angel proclaimed is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions and worldviews. Every other religion and worldview and philosophy is about how you can reach up to God. Now, God is defined differently by every worldview. It could be Allah. It could be becoming enlightened. It could be a higher power. uh, It could be, as modern Americans say, just finding happiness or making it. Every religion and worldview and philosophy on life views God, or at least great joy, kind of at the top of a mountain, and then it tells you how you can get to the top of the mountain. If you want to be accepted by Allah, you need to fulfill the five pillars of Islam. If you're Hindu, you must become open-minded and then worship Krishna or Shiva If you're an everyday American, you just need to get married and become successful and lose some weight and become insta-famous and, most importantly, finally accept yourself. Every worldview believes happiness is somewhere out there, somewhere up there, and it tells you how you're supposed to get up there. You know the worst example of this? Religious Christianity. Religious Christianity says Jesus is at the top of the mountain, And the way you get to Jesus, the way you make it to heaven is by being a good Christian. So don't do drugs and be sexually pure and read your Bible 30 minutes a day and come to church and tithe 10% back to your, and the list goes on. And let me just tell you on the authority of God's word, that is not true Christianity. True Christianity is not the best religion. True Christianity is God's alternative to religion. True Christianity, it, it, it's what we see here in verse 11. Every religion, philosophy, and worldview tells us how we can reach up to God. The angel just told us that God has reached down to us. That's the difference. Christmas is about God coming off the mountain in the person of Jesus to reach down to us. You and me, people thoroughly convinced that true happiness is up there. People who all have different plans and routes and strategies on how to get up there. People who are flat out frustrated and exhausted and discouraged and and depressed. Because against our best attempts, we just can't seem to find that lasting happiness we're all looking for. We can't seem to reach up to God. It's why celebrities overdose or blow their brains out. Because they've actually made it to the top of the mountain and they realize there's nothing up there. It was a mirage. Guys, at Christmas, an angel appears. And announces to all mankind, I have good news. It's going to give you great joy if you believe it. Here's the news. God has reached down to you. Joy has come down to you in the person of Jesus. He is Christ the Lord. What What the angel is saying is this. You can stop. That's the good news. You can just stop. You can stop grinding. You can stop working on yourself. You can stop trying to figure it out and how to get your act together. You can stop trying to reach up to God. God, right now, is reaching down to you, and he, he will be your savior. Listen, no one can bear the weight of being your Savior. I hope you know that. You want to know the fastest way to crush your spouse? Expect them to save you. You want to know the quickest way to crush a child? Expect them to validate you and give you meaning in life. The surest way to crush yourself is to expect yourself to save you from yourself. Only the tiny shoulders of the baby born in Bethlehem are strong enough to carry your hope. The good news of great joy for all people is that a Savior is born in a hodunk town 2,000 years ago, which begs the question, what is he saving us from? See it in verse 12. The angel says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, so finding a, a newborn baby and swaddling cloths, that seems pretty to be expected to me, right? So how is that a sign? The angel says, this will be a sign for you. In fact, so important is this sign that Luke mentions cloths three times at the birth of Jesus. Why is Luke saying, make sure you see the cloths? Because the next time the word cloths shows up, It's Luke 24, 12, right after Jesus was buried, after being crucified. It says, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. You get it. Jesus being wrapped in cloths at his birth is a sign of how he will save you. He's going to die for us and they're going to anoint his body with myrrh. Ding, ding, ding. It's why one of the gifts is myrrh. And they're going to wrap his body. And when those cloths are folded and laid on the stone, that will be the sign of new life. Even at his birth, God's body is being prepared for burial. Jesus was born into a wooden cradle in order to climb on a wooden cross in order to save you from your sins. Verse 13, and suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, just imagine the scene. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The baby born at Bethlehem is here to bring glory to God and peace to you and me. And again, this isn't the plastic peace you know, peace on earth, peace with everyone. They're talking about peace between you, a sinner, deserving of eternal hell, peace between you and God, the all-holy judge of the universe who will actually judge you on the final day. It's peace between you and your judge. The angel announcement is that you can have peace not with just one another, but with God, the all-holy judge of the universe. One of my favorite stories is of Hiro Inada. In late 1944, Second Lieutenant Hiro Inada of the Japanese Army was sent to the Philippines to fight in World War II. His mission was to resist the American advance, and he was ordered to fight on indefinitely. Six months later, 1945, the war ended, but Hiro Inada never got the news. He was cut off from all communication and for the next 29 years, Onada continued to fight World War II. To stay alive, he stole food from villages at night. People just thought it was this crazy guy living out in the jungle. Eventually, the government got involved because every once in a while, Onada would take a couple shots of people living in the village, thinking they're the enemies the Philippine government started dropping notes into the jungle with letters and photographs of his family, asking him to come out, but he didn't listen. He thought it was the Americans trying to trick him into surrender. So the Philippine army carried out loudspeakers into the jungle and shouted, Onada, the war is over, you can come out. Again, he wouldn't do it. They even brought in his brother, to stand at the microphone and beg him to give up. Again, he refused the announcement of peace. He was convinced that it was the enemies trying to pl- trick him into surrender. Hiro Inada fought World War II until 1974. He finally laid down his arms after the Japanese government finally sent his old commanding officer, Major Tanaguchi, who ordered him to surrender. Sadly, Onata refused to trust the good news of peace and he lost nearly 30 years of his life fighting a war that had already been won. Christmas is the loudspeaker declaring the war is over. This precious, innocent baby has been sent by God. It is God's very son he will forgive you of all of your sins and perfect you in the sight of God so Chris what are you asking me to do do you want me to sign a card do you want me to come forward no this Christmas just trust the proclamation of peace in the same way you're trusting the chair that you're sitting on just keep holding you up Trust Jesus to hold you up on the day of judgment and you will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him to hold them up, they shall not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, the war is over. Don't, you, don't lose any more years of your life fighting a war that is over. Trust the proclamation of peace. Come out of hiding and come to Jesus Christ. You just bow your heads and pray with me.